Welcome to week two of the CFL 2021 season. I'm Jackson Harvey. Welcome to Harvey's Huddle. It was a fantastic season opener weekend in the CFL. Lots of fantastic games, lots of nail-biting finishes, and it's just fantastic to watch some Canadian football for once. Uh, it reminded me of why I love this game so much. It reminded me of uh, the fast-paced uh, fast game that we that we know and love up here in Canada. If you haven't already checked out uh, my 2021 season preview, I did it in two parts, one in the West, one for the East Division. Uh, I won't spoil who I thought the Grey Cup champions would be, but you should go check that out uh, on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. It's all Harvey's Huddle CFL. Um, hit me up, other social media channels, at Harvey's Huddle Can on Instagram, uh, at, Har- at CFL Huddle on Twitter. Uh, I was live tweeting everything that happened this weekend, at least all the games I could catch when I wasn't working. Um, some fantastic, like I said, fantastic games. Really fun to to tweet out some of my opinions. Heard back from some people uh, in retweets and things like that. And mentions. Uh, just really good to get some dialogue and to be with the CFL community in celebrating this game that we love and this game that we missed. Um, if you haven't already listened to a preview of mine, I did it in the NFL all last season. It's great to be starting this with the CFL. I kind of, each week uh, in the NFL, I pick three or four games to go over in about a 20 to 30 minute span and talk about some things to look out for, talk about each team's offense, each team's defense briefly, and then, of course, I make predictions. Last week, if you checked out my Instagram stories, I made predictions on the four games. Um, I picked, let's see, I picked Hamilton to beat Winnipeg. I picked Saskatchewan to beat BC. I picked Calgary to beat Toronto, although I did say that that was the biggest possibility for an upset, and it happened. We'll talk about that later. And I picked Edmonton to demolish Ottawa, although that didn't happen. So my uh, season record so far is 1-3. In, uh, in the NFL last year, I was over 500 in my predictions. So I, uh, I think I'm pretty good at doing this. Of course, I'm not professional. I'm not an insider of any kind. I rely mostly on the internet and the things I can find, statistics, and, and uh, just good old momentum and watching football games. So let me know what you think about my predictions each week. I'll keep posting my uh, season sort of record. And yeah, let's get started. I'm going to go in order. So because we only have four games going on in the CFL each week, I'm just going to go through every game. I'm not going to pick out a couple of games that I really like. Uh, First of all, I don't think I can talk about it for a half hour. Second of all, I would love to just talk about every single game here in the Canadian Football League week two. Uh, Of course, week two, every week there's going to be a team with a bye. Uh, This week it is the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'll give them a huge shout-out. Wow, that defense was a work of art in Edmonton on Saturday night. Great way to close out the week one um, games. Fantastic play by that defense. Three interceptions. One of them returned for a touchdown. Uh, Hats off to Ottawa's defense. Uh, 
and hats back on for Ottawa's offense. Just a, I, I said their running game was going to be bad. I didn't think their passing game was going to be equally as bad. Only 71 yards through the air. That is, I believe that's the lowest amount of passing yards in, in decades for any team. It's uh, kind of embarrassing if I'm Mac Nichols and the Red Blacks offense, uh, but I'm sure they'll be able to take a week off and hopefully bounce back uh, in terms of offense. And if not, it's going to be a long season, Red Blacks fans, unless your defense can pull up and score every game, which highly unlikely. Okay, let's talk about uh, the first game on the slate, Thursday night's BC Lions at Calgary Stampeders. I will be going and attending this game, um, and it's going to be fun. I'm excited to be in person. I've never been to McMahon Stadium before, and so I'm excited to check all of this out. Uh, Let's talk about BC first of all. The headline and everything that you've seen about the BC Lions is a quarterback controversy brewing. Uh, Mike Riley, of course, was slated to be the starter. Everyone said he was going to be the starter, and even up to the announcer in Saskatchewan announcing Mike Riley as a starter as the BC Lions offense took the field only to see the Lions break the huddle, and there stands the rookie, Nathan Rourke. Now, I cannot imagine a worse situation for a rookie to be in. I, I really can't. Um, you're, you've taken two years off of football, pretty much. You're a rookie uh, quarterback from Ohio, and here you are in the midst of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders fans. Um, you're in the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan. You weren't really expecting to start, and of course, you're facing Saskatchewan's defense, which really gave uh, young Nathan Rourke a really tough time early on. However, 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 I was really impressed with uh, with Rourke, and I'm very excited to see him play. Hopefully this week, um, I really don't think Mike Riley should have taken the field in the second half. Towards the end of the half, I mean, you saw Rourke, he threw that long touchdown to Lucky Whitehead, um, and then in the kind of three-minute drill at the end of the half, he was hitting his receivers, he was getting good reads, he looked like he was way more confident in his abilities and way more relaxed in the pocket and things like that. He was scrambling out of the pocket, he looked good. He looked good in that three-minute warning. And I was really excited for the second half because I saw momentum building for him. I don't think Mike Riley should have come in the second half. I think he took away some of the momentum that Rourke got, maybe some of the trust that was built between the two. Um, I I really don't think that was the right choice for Riley to come in. Uh, Sorry, I think I said Mike. I think he wants to be called Michael Riley. I'm going to be trying to do my best to do that um, to respect his wishes. But yeah, Riley, he he came out and his throwing ability was awful. Sure, high completion percentage. Um, I'm going to go out and just say it's not even out on the limb. But that high completion percentage was all, all on his wide receivers. His The receivers for the Lions made some excellent, 
excellent moves to the ball, um, excellent adjustments, and made Riley look good on the stat sheet. Although most of his throws were ducks, and most of his throws were underthrown, uh, he couldn't throw a deep ball to save his life. Meanwhile, you have a guns gunslinger in Nathan Rourke on the sidelines. It just wasn't the right decision for me. Uh, the rushing needs to improve. Lucky Whitehead was huge in this game. I really like his impact on the Lions. His speed is incredible. And their defense really gelled together in the second half. For a defense who only had two out of the 12 um, players on the field back from 2019, I think, of course, they ended. They started off really poorly. Um, no excuses for that huge lead that was built in the first half. But to only allow two points after the 31 points scored on them, I think that was a really good job, really good adjustments. Uh, it helped out that Saskatchewan was trying to run the ball more often, but when the game started to get closer, you could see BC started to clamp down on defense. And honestly, BC would have won this game had the rookie kicker um, made at least one of these field goals and the extra point. I think BC would have won this game. Calgary, on the other hand, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, he was 23-35, 252 yards, one touchdown and an interception. Decent start, good rushing attack. Kadeem Carey had 75 yards on the ground, uh, but I do not have long-term faith. Sorry, apparently I don't know how to speak English today. I don't have long-term faith in this wide receiver group. I really don't. I don't see them working very well um, for Bo Levi Mitchell as he's had the luxury of a fantastic wide receiving group in the past. I don't see him being able to make the same plays with this group. They're not the offensive juggernaut that we saw and that we've seen in the last 10 years. Calgary is not the offensive juggernaut that we've seen. Just We need to accept that. We need to let that sink in, and we need to realize that this team will not be scoring the amount of points that they did in 2019, or in 2018, or in 2017. This is a different team. They kicked four field goals, and their longest field goal was 30 yards. This is not a team that's going to be able to score in the red zone because they just don't have the threats. So they don't have the running threat. They don't have the passing threat. It's... It's not going to happen very often. So prepare for that. If you're a Stamps fan, I'm sorry. It's just this team is not built to get into the end zone right now in in, in short games, like short uh, in the red zone. They're not able to, to score in the red zone. Maybe, maybe a deep threat will be established in this wide receiver group. Maybe they'll gel together at the right time and prove me wrong, but I don't see this team being an offensive juggernaut at all this season. Uh, so, in terms of the defenses on both these teams, I think they're okay. Um, Calgary's defense lost too many playmakers for me to be able to do anything, really. I I just don't really like this Calgary team. On paper, they're, they're not going to work, and, and I think we're going to see that. We're going to see a little bit of uh, mortality from Dave Dickinson and Bo Levi Mitchell, I think, this year. So this game, I think BC's going to take this game by 10 points. I think Nathan Rourke's going to come in. Uh, I think he's going to start for the Lions, and I think he's going to have a 350-yard passing game, 
and I think he is going to just do fantastic. Uh, if you're looking for a good fantasy pickup, I would I would pick up Nathan Rourke. I believe he is only twenty five hundred dollars um, in the TSN fantasy. So that's the one I'm kind of going off of. Uh, $2,500 out of your 40000 for a starting quarterback with the wide receiver group that Rourke will have, that's going to be a steal. I would take him, hands down. Also, if you've got some money, Brian Burnham, he's going to be fantastic. I think he scores one or two touchdowns in this game, and I think the Lions take it 34-24. to 24. Jeez, I spent way too much time talking about my Riley problems, but you know what? It's important to talk about, I think. <laughs> um, let's look at Toronto and Winnipeg. Toronto's going to Winnipeg to play uh, this week. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, he had 26 for 37 uh, in terms of completions and pass attempts. 354 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Fantastic game by this Toronto pivot. Uh, the rushing lacked a little bit. John White only had 28 yards. He also had a two-point conversion, which was pretty good. And this wide receiver room just looks fantastic. I It doesn't matter if it's McLeod Bethel-Thompson or if it's Nick Arbuckle. I think they're going to thrive in every game that they play. Uh, both quarterbacks are talented. Both quarterbacks have a good deep ball. And I think that you're going to see numbers just like Macbeth's numbers last week against Calgary. You're going to see it again against a talented Winnipeg defense. He knocked Mwamba. He was huge on defense. Uh, they did have seven defensive penalties for 61 yards, which I believe was the most defensive penalties this week. Uh, but they also had zero sacks. And I really thought on paper this Toronto defense looked better. Uh, so I think their defensive line needs to step up here, hopefully get to uh, Zach Kolaros and the Winnipeg backfield a little bit in week two. Speaking of Winnipeg, Zach Kolaros, he went 18 of 28, 217 yards, and two touchdowns and zero interceptions as well. Uh, Brady Oliveira, in his debut in the CFL, he had 126 yards on the ground. Great job by this rookie. Uh, same story, like, same exact story as Andrew Harris. I gotta say, I'm sorry, Winnipeg fans, I did say that uh, the team would lack without Andrew Harris in the backfield, but it looks like Oliveira is a fantastic replacement for him in the time being. Uh, of course, Andrew Harris is on the injured list still, so we'll have to see how that plays out in the next couple of days for practice. Nick Dembski and Kenny Lawler. Kenny Lawler scored two touchdowns in the game against Hamilton. Uh, they combined for 139 yards, 70 yards for Nick Dembski, 69 yards for Kenny Lawler. The defense did fantastic as well. They only had one sack, but they did have three turnovers against quite a talented Hamilton offense. I was very impressed with them and impressed with the ability to keep that team at only nine points. That's a, that is quite the feat. That is quite the accomplishment. Pat on the back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. However, I did see that Willie Jefferson hasn't practiced yet on Monday and Tuesday. I uh, haven't gotten the practice sheets out for Wednesday yet. And Jackson Jeffcoat is limited on Monday and did not practice on Tuesday. So two key offense or defensive linemen for the Blue Bombers limited or not practicing this week. Kind of concerning if I'm a Blue Bomber fan, but 
we'll have to see how they're able to to uh, improve this week in practice and see if they'll be available for the game. In terms of uh, prediction for this game, man, I think this one could go either way. Uh, I think I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say that this game was probably my upset pick of the week. So it could go either way. Uh, 27-24 is my pick for Toronto to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Winnipeg. Start off 2-0, and I think it's going to be a big statement game for the Argonauts. Next, Montreal is going to Edmonton to take on the Elks. Uh, this will be our first chance to see Montreal. They had the bye week in week one. So be prepared if you're watching this game to see a little bit of rust from the Alouettes. All the other teams in the league got a chance to kind of shake off that rust last week. But Montreal was stuck at home watching everyone do that. So I'm very excited to see the Alouettes offense. I'm excited to see Vernon Adams again. Will he be able to continue with the momentum he had in 2019? Uh, will he be able to really take this offense to the next level. William Standback is a great running back, in my opinion, and I think that this Montreal rushing attack could be Baltimore Ravens-esque. I mean, you could see them sort of relying on Vernon Adams' legs a little more, although I think Vernon Adams in the CFL is a better passer than Lamar Jackson in the NFL, if that makes sense. I would never compare the two because talents are completely different, but I think Vernon Adams has kind of the same value to the CFL as Lamar Jackson has in the NFL, and I think Vernon Adams just has a better arm in this league. Eugene Lewis and BJ Cunningham, I'm excited to see them and their uh, rapport with Vernon Adams this year. Jack Wieneke, I remember hearing his name a few times in 2019. Excited to see what his role is going to be in the offense as well. Three really good receivers, I think, in my opinion. Uh, big question on defense is how is this linebacking core going to do? How is Chris Aki and, and the other linebackers going to hold up um, against the team? I think other teams. Defense, they should improve. I think they should be a little bit improved from a lackluster 2019. Other than that, I don't have a lot to say about Montreal. We haven't seen them play yet. It's going to be interesting to see. It's kind of the same same stuff from last week with all the other teams. Is I don't really know what's going to happen. Don't know how Montreal's going to come out. But I'm very excited to see their offense and see what it can do against a very talented Edmonton defense. Speaking of Edmonton, let's talk about Week 1's greatest letdown. This Edmonton offense was... Oh man, I when when I was younger, uh, when Frozen first came out, I was busy. My family went and saw it without me, and I didn't see it for probably about four or five months. And during that four or five months, everyone's telling me how great Frozen is. I love the songs. I'm 16 or 17. I was like, okay, it's kind of a kiddie movie. I don't know how it's going to really be. Finally, some of my friends... Uh, convinced me to watch it and I watched it with them and I was severely disappointed. I thought it was way too overhyped for me. They they really told me that it was a great story, um, great storyline, like I said, great music and everything like that. I was completely let down. It did not 
come out the way that I thought it was going to. And honestly, on Saturday night, I felt the same way about the Edmonton Elks. This offense did not produce the way I thought it was going to. It did not have the explosiveness that we were promised. Like Everyone around the CFL was talking about how dynamic and how elite this offense was going to be heading into 2021. But Trevor Harris, he threw 33 for 44, 333 yards, zero touchdowns, and three interceptions. I don't care how many yards you have. If you throw zero touchdowns and three interceptions, you're going to write this game off as a dud. This game was a dud for this Edmonton offense. Of course, I will say and I will mention one of those interceptions, not on Harris. The other two, I would say they are his fault. One of them was a throat inside. Like, here is what I am so baffled about with Edmonton. I mean, you talk about a weak storyline, and you talk about a weak um, play calling here. One of those interceptions was an inside throw to a fullback that Trevor Harris led way too much, trusted the fullback to be able to play as a receiver way too much, and it resulted in a pick. And then the last play of the game... When you need to score a touchdown, who do you throw it to? What play do you call? The exact same play. I I am convinced that it was the exact same route for the fullback. It was the exact same result. I mean, not an interception, but the fullback catches it at the within the ten yard line and gets stopped at the one yard line. I what what is the sense in dumping it off to a fullback on the last play of the game? Unless you're going to do some sort of lateral crap, why would you dump it off? To a fullback like that. It just it baffles me. Baffled me on how this amazing offense. Their play calling wasn't very good. Their execution was awful. There was, I, I really loved watching James Wilder Jr. He was fantastic. If you dumped it off to him. Maybe, maybe we'd be saying. This Edmonton team. They may have been bad. But they came together and they got a win. If, if you'd gotten him involved in the last play. Maybe. I, I love James Wilder Jr. I think he's a great running back, one of the best running backs in the league. He is versatile. He was the second highest receiver for the Argonauts. He ran the ball for 89 yards. I think, honestly, Edmonton was the um, victims of a ball-hawking offense, or Ottawa defense. I think Ottawa's defense played fantastic. Uh, we said that at the top of the show. Ottawa's great. They played great on defense. And I think that was a big part into why Edmonton just... I don't think they were expecting that. Um, and one tipped ball away from winning that game, in my opinion. But also, you got to really rethink some of the things you did there. If I'm Edmonton, I'm regrouping. I'm coming out to really stick it to Montreal early. And to show the CFL that they weren't wrong about this team and about this offense. Defense was good. Uh, they had one fumble recovery, five sacks. I, I just really hope this rust all around was a one-time thing. Uh, it looks like Edmonton's going to be able to get into the backfield a lot on defense, so that's a great thing if you're an Elks fan. Uh, but let's let's stiffen up. They, they were up against a really bad offense in Ottawa. 
this rushing attack for Montreal is going to be a different beast. And we'll, I think we'll really see how good this Edmonton defense is this week against Montreal. In terms of a prediction, I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be a higher scoring one. Uh, I'm going to take Edmonton winning this one 34-30 against Montreal. I, I probably, if Montreal played last week and I got to see them a little bit and I was right about what I think we'll see, I think I would take Montreal in this game if they had already played. However, because it's their first game, I think there's going to be some rust involved. I think there's going to be some getting back into the swing of things. And so I'm going to take Edmonton by four points, 34 to 30. Finally, our last game is Hamilton traveling to Saskatchewan. A huge game. I This is two of the best teams in the league uh, coming into this season. Hamilton, of course, a huge letdown as well in the opener on Thursday night against Winnipeg. Uh, Jeremiah Masoli, he went 24 for 41, 242 yards, one touchdown and two picks. The rush game was dismal. They only had 29 yards on nine carries with Thomas Erlington. And I just, I really didn't see anything great out of this Hamilton offense, which was shocking. Absolutely shocking. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about how good Winnipeg's defense was, and I think that is that is a lot of the case. However, I did see some things I didn't like from Brandon Banks, a little bit of attitude that I didn't really think was necessary. Now, the one objectionable conduct penalty he got was a total joke. I, If the referee, so the referee that threw the flag, or the official that threw the flag was asking for... Banks to throw the ball to him. So Banks throws the ball to him. A player walks in front of the official, gets hit in the head with the ball, and the official throws the flag. I don't see the logic there. I don't see how you can be... I just... That was the one officiating gaffe that I saw all week. Um, so props to the officials. They, they did a great job this weekend, I think. Other than that one play, I was just blown away that any ref would throw that flag. Uh, Jalen Acklin was fantastic. He's another budget receiver that you could grab on fantasy if you're playing with TSN. Uh, 98 yards and a touchdown. I think Banks, like I said, I think he needs to stop with the yelling, stop with the body language attitude, and really be a leader. Not just on the field and not just in the stats book, but be a leader in your in your demeanor. Be a leader in your attitude. And I think if he's more of a leader that way, I think this Hamilton team can reach its ceiling in the next couple weeks. Simone Lawrence was great on defense, of course. Uh, they need turnovers against this Ryder team. They need to kind of... The Riders, and we'll talk about it in a second, but they they uh, they peaked at the, at the very start of the second quarter in that game against BC. And they're kind of... They're on a downward trend ever since. And if Hamilton can catch Saskatchewan on another downward trend or to continue that downward trend at the beginning of this game and get some momentum and get some life in, in their own legs, I think Hamilton could really do well on defense um, and could really see the results that BC had in that second half. Uh, rushing defense, they need to be better against Powell. I think with Brady Oliveira... <laughs> 
he ran all over you in Hamilton. I, I hate to say it. Now, he did have 26 carries, which is a lot for a CFL running back. But with Powell, he is more shifty. He's more fast than Oliveira. He's got more experience. So you need to really clamp down on him and make sure he can't go anywhere. Because if he does, you know the riders are going to be able to get some play action, get him out of the backfield, and you could be seeing a career night from Powell if Hamilton doesn't uh, clamp those uh, clamp those trenches down. Let's say that. Saskatchewan, I said it already, tale of two halves in Ryderville. Uh, Fajardo, he went 28-35, 230 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. William Powell, he had 43 yards on the ground and a touchdown to boot. And after 31 first, or not, yeah, 31 first half points, they scored... They scored two points after that. Uh, 32 points in the first half, one point in the second half. Very, very tough sledding for Saskatchewan in the second half. Now, BC didn't really show up in the first half. I had some people tell me and want to tell me that, hey, it's not really Saskatchewan's fault. Uh, They, of course, were a little, their legs were cold or they were cooled down by the time that BC actually started to play. And... I, I just don't see that as a good enough excuse. It doesn't really make sense to me. I, I think a professional football team should be able to play uh, despite what their opponent's doing. And if that's the case, how do they score 31 points on them in the first half? Or 32 points on them in the first half? I I really just... We need to see a full, complete game from uh, from Saskatchewan. If you don't see a complete game from Saskatchewan, you're riding a big risk big risk of seeing this kind of performance become a norm in Saskatchewan and you do not want that you want to put a complete game up in week two so that you're able to keep keep that going forward you don't want to start making a narrative out of um, a tale of two halves sort of thing defense came out with a really good intensity Really great job for this secondary against a talented uh, wide receiving core in BC. They're going to need their A game again because this receiving core is just as talented in Hamilton. Uh, they got to be able to... I mean, it was really weird to see some of those Michael Riley throws and seeing the adjustments that the receivers made on the ball, but they're going to be able to... or they're going to need to be able to uh, adjust better and read the receivers better and try to try to combat some of the speed that Hamilton is sure to come with on Saturday. Consistency. Consistency is all I can say for the Saskatchewan team. If you're a Ryder fan, that's all that you want. You want to see a full, consistent, comprehensive game from your Ryder team. And I think you're going to get that. However, I think you're going to get a complete game from Hamilton as well. This is going to be a nail-biter. I'm predicting Hamilton to win this one 30-28. 30 to 28. That's what I'm going to take them at. So there you have it. I've got BC winning. I've got Toronto winning, Edmonton winning, and Hamilton winning in a close one in Saskatchewan. Again, let me know what you think. Hit me up on Instagram at Harvey's Huddle Can or hit me up on Twitter at CFL Huddle. I'm always willing to listen to what you have to say. Always love talking to you guys and, and hearing your thoughts and your opinions. Uh, yeah, hit me up. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jackson Harvey. This has been Harvey Subtle. Take care.